At 4ZZZ we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging of the Turbul and Jagera people. We acknowledge that their sovereignty over this land was never ceded. And we stand in solidarity with them. And welcome into uh, Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ, where you're with Bill. Now, um, uh, here on Workers' Power, I've got uh, I've got to introduce you to a, a special guest that we've got in. Uh, we've got uh, Michael McNally. The, uh, now, you're the Queensland Secretary for the NTEU. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we, we, thank you for coming on in. Um, I, I've seen the, the, there's a bit of bit of action in the university um, sector happening at the moment. But but let, let, let let's go back to let, let's go to the the basics in the beginning. Um, sometimes I I, I realise that we use an acronyms too too much, and people don't don't know. So what is there? We'll start out. Easy question for you. Sure. What does the NTEU stand for? So the NTEU is the National Tertiary Education Union. So we're a union that represents an industry. Anybody who works in a university or in a private degree awarding body can be a member of our union. And we're a national union, so we have state divisions. I'm the Queensland State Secretary. Um, but we represent about 28,000 people who work in universities uh, across Australia. Here in Queensland, about 4,000 people. We've got seven major public universities in Queensland, so you, you know, UQ, Griffith and um, QUT here in, in Brisbane and then Sunshine Coast, CQU, uh, JCU and also into one we've got USQ, so they're the seven main employers. So we've got lots of workers, it's a big industry, um, we've got lots of workers in seven major employers in, in Queensland um, and our members are anything from you know librarians to groundskeepers to uh, lecturers to professors to research staff uh, technical staff IT staff anybody who works in a university and they're big they're big institutions anybody who works in a university can be a member of our union all right that, that, that that's good so yeah, even the admin staff and, yep. and, and all that, they're all, all part of the one union. Anybody who's employed by a university in Queensland can be a member of our union, yeah. Right on. And, um, and so, of course, they, they, they organise within, within their workplace. Um, and uh, when, when campaigns come along, they, they, they get active. Now, yep. now there, there's, uh, there's, there's a few, few EBAs that are due up. Now, the first one that we'll talk about um, and the one that really sparked my interest is, is UQ. Now, yep. um, where, let, let's start. Where, where are those negotiations at, at this stage? Well, we're moving to industrial action because the negotiations haven't made any progress, really. Um, so, for your listeners' understanding, I guess the key things that are uh, problems for industrial relations in universities are insecure work. So, the vast majority of teaching staff, uh, if, if you're talking on a headcount basis, are actually employed casually, somewhere up to 60, 70% of 
of staff who do teaching in universities are employed casually. So casual employment's a big, big thing. Um, for professional staff, they've spent, you know, a fair bit of time over the last couple of years working from home, doing their work, you know, providing information services if you're a librarian or doing their finance or admin role if you're in finance or admin. They've done that pretty well from home for the last couple of years and, and now their bosses are telling them, no, nah, you've got to come back onto campus, you've got to be there. We want, we want to see you at the grindstone, so to speak. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get some rights to work from home for our professional and technical staff. Um, uh, workloads are just out of control, so um, it's a bit complex, but you know, universities had been built on a model of international students, right? So a large amount of money coming into universities was from international students, and that tap was turned off to a great degree, um, you know, sort of mid-2020 when, when COVID hit. So that's had a number of impacts. First of all, it's meant that a lot of staff were invited to leave, um, you know, given uh, voluntary retirement packages, etc. Um, but those staff haven't been replaced, and there's been a, a major increase in domestic students, and so we've got lots and lots of staff that are working ridiculous amounts of hours uh, because colleagues have left, the work's still there, and they're the ones that are doing it. So workloads, insecure jobs, rights to work from home, there's a number of key things that are bubbling on in universities at the moment. Right on, right on. And um, y y as I know from my experience in retail, when, when there's a downturn in, 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 well, they would call it business, well, it would be the same, the business of yeah, teaching. Um, it's, the, it's the casual worker that bears the brunt. Yep. Um, you, you know, and, 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 and quite often they're, they're workers that are on the edge anyhow, you know, living right. w week to week or month to month, you yep. know. And, um, yeah, so very, very important to stand up for these, these casuals. Now, so, so UQ, um, the, the negotiations are bro broken down. Yep. Did, they, did they come out with, with anything tangible or did they answer the log, your claims or...? So... On, just to give you a brief timeline, their enterprise agreement expired 30 June last year, so 30 June 2021. Uh, we sought to start negotiations pretty much straight away, provided them with a you know, comprehensive log of claims, things we wanted fixed, and they basically said, well, we don't really want to bargain now. Um, you know, we, What we'd really like to do is actually defer bargaining. They, they tried to convince us to enter into an agreement to, to defer bargaining. Our members didn't want that. They wanted job security. They wanted a decent pay rise. So we rejected that that proposal. And since then, management have basically been stalling. And as as you know, Bill, but maybe your listeners don't know, um, getting getting an employer to bargain when they don't want to under the Unfair Work Act is is virtually impossible. All they've got to do is turn up to meetings, say yes, that's very interesting. Uh, we don't agree with that. Thanks very much. That's that's how much bargaining. That's what good faith bargaining is uh, under the Unfair Work Act. So they've been doing that for a while. Um, we've made a little bit of progress on some things, but not on the major things like job security. Um, and you know, as everybody knows, inflation is is terrible at the moment. Um, so the last pay rise that was under the agreement was. First uh, of January, or maybe the thirty-first of January. Anyway, January twenty twenty-one. That was two percent in January twenty twenty-one. Uh, at the beginning of this year, UQ management said, "Oh well, you know, you haven't had a pay rise, and we haven't been negotiating, so we'll give you a pay rise." They gave them two percent again 
in an environment where inflation's running at five, six, seven percent. So, you know, our members are having their salaries eroded on a daily basis almost. Um, so, yeah, they're pretty pretty unhappy about that. Yeah, yeah. As you said, inflation is crazy, and and um, the the thing with inflation, I, I, like like I I I always harp back to to, to John Howard, and when um, there was I think it was a Cyclone Yazi or so, something like that back in John Howard's day, and the price of bananas went through the roof, but they took took the, so they had to take um, bananas off the CPI and off the inflationary measures because it was having too much of an influence on the number. Bizarre, but yeah, and and you remember back then, but it was you know like it was similar similar in certain ways to today, where you know fruit and veg was very very expensive, you know, yeah. you know, and and so so the real inflation, yeah, um, which some economists talk about, you know, is is double figures. Yeah, uh, well, the important thing with inflation is if if wages keep pace with inflation, right? There's no impact on workers. The only impact that there is is those people who already have money because their money starts to lose value. So it's the capitalists that hate inflation. Workers don't. Workers shouldn't really be too worried about inflation as long as their wages keep pace with it. If wages keep pace with inflation, it's not a problem. That's right, and and uh, I'm sure we could do a whole other story yeah, talking uh, talking about economics. productivity. <laughs> you know, like uh, how the, you know, like the yeah, the the wages haven't kept up with productivity. No. But uh, onto the unis, which. You know, like uh, I'm going out on a limb here. They're they're starting to come across as these mega corporations. Yeah. You know, you know where we've got these um, extraordinary pay pays for for, yeah. for bosses. Um, so, is there a big divide in 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 the sector? Do, do do you think between between those heads and 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 the the real workers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people that that actually do the work in universities, you know, your admin staff, your, your lecturers, your professors, your researchers, um, your librarians, those sort of people, they're the people that actually do the education, right? The managers who are paying themselves $1.2 million a year, so the, you know, your vice chancellors are, are often on a million, $1.2 million a year, they're figureheads. They don't actually teach a, a single student. They don't actually do any research. They, they coordinate, they bring in, you know, they're, they're about prestige. And the reason, the reason they pay themselves these salaries is because they want to have a corporatised model because it gives them power, it gives them influence, it makes them feel like, you know, that I, I built that new shiny building over there and maybe one day it might even have my name on it. Um, it's, it's a corporatised university environment, which isn't good for students either. Um, and I'll, I'll explain very briefly why. Because, you know, somewhere like, um, yeah, let's use the University of Queensland, most of its money comes from government um, grants for, for student education or students paying themselves, right? Um, and, yes, they bring in some money from research. But when they put away $300 million in profit in a year, that's money that's come into the institution for teaching research education purposes that they're putting in the bank. That means that there's 300 million deficit in terms of the delivery of what should be coming to students and to staff. You know, they should be able to employ more staff. They should be able to give uh, students smaller tutorials. But they don't because they want to put the money in the bank so that they've got money down the track. 
and they can maybe build themselves a fancy uh, bathroom, marble bathroom, <laughs> from what I hear. Now, now I, I keep when, whenever you mention librarians, I, I, one one of our favourite NTEU um, comrades yes. is Jeff Ricketts, yes. who's, who's a librarian, yeah, and, no, and part of now Jeff's part of UQ yep. too as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, so yeah, definitely. He'll be on the I, line on Thursday. Okay, morning. well, I, I, you know, like solidarity yeah. w- with Jeff because Jeff's a regular on here through his work through Brisbane Labor History Association. Yeah, of course. We we love to learn uh, about struggles past, um, so that we can we can put them into the future. But that, but um, w- w- where I was going with it, you know, a lot of a lot of these uh, uni workers are good, you know, working class people people aren't they? Yeah, look. Um Okay, once you get into sort of associate professor and professor kind of levels, yes, you're on a decent wicket. You know, a, a professor at UQ is probably on $180,000, $190,000 a year. Um, that is a world... The, to be a professor at UQ, you have to be pretty much a world-renowned expert in your field, well-respected, producing a whole pile of research. It sounds like a lot of money and it sounds like, you know, maybe they aren't working class, but I can tell you that the, the admin staff, the librarians... Your, your casual tutors, your casual lecturers, you know, lecturers and senior lecturers, they're not, on, they're not on massive amounts of money. They're workers. Sometimes it's a bit difficult to convince them that they're workers and that they need to take industrial action because they care so much about their students. You know, getting, getting university staff to stop work is a really hard thing because they say, well, what about the students, you know? I don't, I don't want to not turn up for my class because, you know, I've only got 13 classes in a semester. I don't want my students to miss out on that, so it becomes a bit of a challenge. You d- now, within within the, the the university sector, is is there somewhat uh, similarities when when we talk about the uh, the hospital sectors and the disability sectors, where where people care so much about their, their their clients, their customers, the people that they care for, that they don't want to take industrial action. Yep. Is is that the same in this sector? Absolutely, and and it's also it's also as I'm assuming it is in those other sectors, it's the basis on, of, of exploitation. So if you say to a casual staff member, okay, you're a casual tutor, tutoring Politics 101, you say to them, you've got 20 minutes to mark this 2,000-word essay. That, that staff member has to make a decision about whether they spend 35, 40 minutes marking the essay properly, giving feedback, you know, correcting some of the ideas that the person might have got wrong, you know, helping them with their referencing, well, they do it in 20 minutes, give no feedback and say, this is a pass. Okay, so it... And, and what, are the, what does the staff member do? Nine times out of ten, they'll say, oh, you know, they'll do the proper job. And the university just takes that additional labour. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that means the students don't suffer, but it's a means of exploitation. And it's, it's not just casuals. I mean, you've got, you've got staff there that are w- supposed to work, you know, roughly a 40-hour week who are working 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours on a regular basis... Because to get the job done to the quality that they want to to give it to to students, they've got to sacrifice their own time, mm. and that's that's exploitation. It's wage theft. And to sound well, from my own anecdotal evidence, it, it, it happens in the high school sector as well. I'm you sure know, because I, I live with it with a teacher, and right. and I think they were on the the, the computer to about eleven last night. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it happens in all sectors. You know, and. Which yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. That that that's just wage exploitation, isn't it? It is.
And uh, I'm here in the studio uh, at Four, four Triple Z Studios, live with uh, with Michael McNally from the the NETEU, and we're um, th- welcome back, of course. Thank and, you. And uh, we're we're chatting about the, um, the 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 university sector. Mainly, we're leading into University of Queensland, and the workers have had enough. And they go out on strike. Now, is this the the, the first piece of action that, 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 that they've taken in this struggle? Or in this round, yeah, yeah. yeah it, um, so we had a ballot. As you know, we've got to you've got to go through the the fair work process of getting a protected action ballot and all that sort of thing. Well, look, sorry, Dean, that's a whole other episode as yeah, well, yeah, no, isn't not, it? Yeah, you know the the, the yeah we'll the do that one. You have to jump hurt. through. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, they they've. Um, They've timed that so that they can have what's called strike timber. So strike timber starting on the 1st of strike timber, obviously. That's this Thursday. Uh, 7.30am at both the uh, St Lucia and the Gatton campuses. We'll have members out at the main sign there at, at St Lucia at um, Coleridge Street and St Fred Chanel Drive. You know, there's a big, beautiful UQ sign. Uh, we'll have members there from, well, probably from about 7, but kicking off at 7.30 and, and uh, protesting until 10. All right, and and that's uh, uh, you said you've done your pa- the pabo, so yep. so it's a protected industrial action. It is, and um, from till ten, seven till ten. Could well, the protest is from seven to ten, but we've notified it as indefinite uh, industrial action, which means that our members can choose to take the whole day off if they want to. They can go back to work at ten if they wish, if they choose to. Um, some groups of workers are, are, are planning to take the whole day off. Um, but it's indefinite industrial action, right? And uh, and we'll, we'll get now the the sign. That's the one right near that uh, cricket ground, isn't it? There, yeah, the AF, there's an AFL cricket. Cri- uh, yeah, yeah, cricket yeah, field, yeah. All right. We'll, 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 so, and 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 you you're encouraging um, you know other unions and community yep. and, and 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 people to come along. Yep, we're encouraging all all union members and you know the general public it's your university i mean these these universities aren't corporations they are public institutions they get a lot of public money to do something that's really important which again is another whole episode of the role of universities in in making society a better place and you know driving innovation and all of those sort of things i mean they're they're public institutions and people should stand up for the workers that work in them uh, we'd love to see community members come down uh, certainly there'll be plenty of students come down. The, st- the student union has officially passed a motion endorsing our industrial action and saying that, you know, recognising that staff working conditions are student learning conditions. They know that there's a there's a clear link between overworked staff and, and poor educational outcomes. So the students will be there. Other unions will hopefully be there. Um, you know, I've experienced a lot of solidarity in my time here in brisbane um so hopefully some of the other unions will turn out uh, it should be a big event great stuff oh i love the way you're using that word solidarity there comrade oh, absolutely yeah yeah well I, i'm gonna try and try and get out there but you you said uq gatton it's um yep. a, a, especially in peak because because i'm from ipswich yeah I, I live out there and uh it's actually a nicer drive out there rather than sitting in traffic i'll have to give that some thought i'm actually considering going myself yeah yeah it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful part out there and uh, yeah. but um yeah i definitely want to be um showing some solidarity with uh with with some workers and i don't start work till 10 o'clock so i'm all right aren't there i you, you know but uh 
Uh, yes, yeah, so fantastic stuff. Get just, just so you know, Bill, there will be other opportunities coming up pretty shortly because um, you know QUT. Oh, sorry, Griffith at the moment they're actually voting in their their parbo. So uh, shout out to any Griffith staff that are listening. If you haven't got into your email and seen your ballot to vote in favour of industrial action, go in there and find your email and vote in favour of industrial action. Uh, we'll be taking industrial action at Griffith pretty soon, and QUT members. Uh, voted to get their parbo up and that's been approved and that's coming in the next i uh, forget the date i think it starts uh on the 9th of september something like that it'll be soon all right and and so so where where can can i and where can others uh, be, be be kept up to date with this thing uh, you, you do socials or website or yeah we've got we've got facebook we've got um twitter we've got uh, social media um, we've got an, N- an NTU website which people can go to which has information about our actions uh, which is just nteu.au that's pretty simple um, is that sorry is that your website nte.au nteu.au that's fantastic and yeah, now I'll make this interruption worthwhile sure. now if there's any uh, uh, university workers out there yeah. that aren't a member of nteu they they can just go to nteu.au yep and there's a big join here link and they can join online and if they join they can participate in protected industrial action which is which would be great i mean yeah, you don't have to be a union member forever to take your first industrial action. That's right. Now, oh, oh, we've got to ask this question in, in, in my role with Rafu is once you, you vote on the parbo, you yep. kind of touched on this, but I just want to reiterate sure. the point. The, once the pub is done, we voted to go to, to industrial action, and then yep. and then you know in in the like so so say so now a UQ uh, uh, uni worker, a uni, UQ worker joins up i want to i've had a gut full i want to join up with them i want to go on strike yep. are, are they protected as well yes they are as the, the protection applies to anybody who's a member of the union whenever they've joined so if we notify management we're taking we're having a full day strike on the 10th of september someone joins on the morning of the 10th of september they can take that day's action strike with us be protected uh, and not face any consequences, yeah. Right on, thank you for that, because right. I know there's a little bit of misinformation in and, in and around that area, you know, yep. but, uh, yeah, UQ workers that are listening in and aren't members, join up, I say, and get out there in solidarity with your co-workers. Yep. Well, a- as you mentioned, there, there, there's plenty coming up. Yep. Um, so thank you to, to, to coming in, and but most of all, thank you for, for, for organising your members. Uh the, look, the officials of the union don't organise the members. The members organise themselves. They're the ones that have, you know, they've organised strike temper. It's not my idea. It's the local activists on the ground who are planning everything. It's the local activists on the ground who are doing everything. Um, I'm going to turn up and have a great time talking to, to people in the community about why we're on strike. But it's not, you know, the, the union is its members. They're the ones that do all of the organising. They're the ones that make things happen. They're the ones that got the vote out. They rang, you know, they, they spent hours ringing other union members to say, hey, vote in this protected action ballot so we can take industrial action in September. So it's all, it's all about the members. That, awesome. Then that, thank you for that because, uh, you know, like w- w- what we like to do here on uh, Workers' Power is to, to, to educate, the, you know, the, the workers out there what it means to be union, you know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, like a, even a, quite a, an often term that I, a phrase that I use with them, go find your delegate. If you can't find your delegate, you'll find one in the mirror. Yeah. 
you know nice. so yeah the yeah the unions uh, and workers um can organize within themselves and 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 and, and, and say to their union hey we want to do this you know exactly. what do we need to do you know and yep. and then you provide the support by putting it through to the parbo and and things like that yeah we do the technical stuff yeah that's oh, right oh god you know look I, I love i love fighting bosses and standing <laughs> up for workers but i tell you what some of that fair work commission mumbo yep. jumbo yeah it's um you know all, all, all all the uh, all the strength to to, to uh, workers like yourself and and the Josh Cullinans who who know how to do that you know so which yep. is fantastic. All right, well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We we, um, we will keep uh, workers updated um, uh, on on the struggle yep. uh, as as we do here on Workers Power. Yep. And um, yeah, we'll see you out on the grass on Thursday. Excellent. I'll see you there, Bill. And welcome back to A Worker's Power here on 4 Z, where you're with Bill. And Jackson. Right, so uh, we're going to uh, move on to uh, Worker's Action now. And uh, um, as you heard, uh, Jackson is in the studio with me. And uh, uh, first off, we've got uh, some First Nations Worker's Action. Now, the, this one is Santos, isn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, yes, so is. the NT traditional owners standing staunch. Love that word. In the face of international gas giant. This comes from The Point. Yes, by Kira Jenkins. Uncle Samuel Sandy watches the flames shoot up in front of him. He's shocked and struggles to comprehend the scene. I have a crunch in my stomach. My tummy is really upset, crying for this country, he tells NITV's The Point program. He's sitting in a van in Red Dirt Country on a Northern Territory cattle station he used to visit as a boy. There's a searing heat and a whooshing like the sound of fierce winds from flames consuming excess gas from exploration wells owned by gas giant Santos. Right now, I feel sorry for this country, my family, said Uncle Samuel, visibly distressed. He's one of a number of traditional custodians to make the long journey to Tenembrini Station, the first time in years for many. They formed the Nurjalinji Nodalinji Native Title Aboriginal Corporation two years ago amid growing fears their voices weren't being he- heard in the emotional debate about the f- about fracking in the Beetaloo. Santos and Sweet Pea Petroleum, a subsidiary of Tambor and Resources, are both exploring for gas on the cattle station after the Northern Territory government lifted its ban on fracking in 2018. The companies want to build more wells, with Sweet Piri Petroleum gaining environmental approval this month to begin drilling and fracking up to seven wells nearby. Neither, uh, traditional custodians are worried about pos- the possible impact of water, sacred sites and str- songlines. Nobody came and consulted with us. Nobody told us anything that's happening, Uncle Samuel said. Johnny Wilson can see the flames at night and smell the gas from his home, even though it is some distance away. Uh, back in 2014, when my people were first talking about fracking, they said these holes are going to be the size of billy cans. One hole and that's it. We're just going to look over your country, just sign this paper, said Mr. Wilson, the chair of the Nodalinji Native Title Aboriginal Corporation. Little did they know that they were signing a document that was a hook, line and sinker situation. Loris Hume, Hume is also worried about the future of our country and what the final impact of the fracking will be. When I see it, when I see that gas out there, it makes me very sad. I want to cry, she says. We worry if something goes wrong and the gas will leak out into the countryside. 
Auntie Loris was born at the old homestead. What's left of it sits crumbling amid termite mounds. This is a special place, she said. We used to go this way fishing with my grandfather and grandmother, and this is where we'd come back and camp here. It's been a long time since Auntie Loris was back here. The old homestead hasn't been used since the 1960s. Uh, Samuel Sandy is a Jingili man from Elliot and believes any impact to the water would cause damage to the sacred songlines. Water is like a bloodline, he said. It's all connected. It's connected to the heart. Once that water gets poisoned, where are people going to live? We only have one earth, and all walks of life need suitable drinking water. I'm really worried about this company now overruling everything, the traditional owners, the decisions they make. End quote. Um, Jingili woman Janet Gregory said the debate had fractured families and communities, with some supportive of the development. Uh, to quote, it will not only affect our country, but our song lines, our dreaming, and it's creating a division within our family lines. Johnny Wilson worries about what will be left for future generations. It really hurts. It's really emotional for me because I have to think about the future of my grandchildren, and this is our country to live on, to run our own programs, our own self-determination, he said. I live in great fear of, I live in great fear when I look at that thing. We will go on and we we'll keep fighting because we have a right to our country. We have a right to say over our country. And we have a right to say what we want to happen in our country. And fracking is not one of them. No, the, no, the farmers don't want it. You know, First Nations people don't want it. Generally, only those that are going to profit from it actually want it. Yes, the uh, politicians and um, fossil fuel corporations who make a lot of money off these operations um unfortunately uh, the the amount of money they make from them give them gives them a lot of power to keep on doing it in spite of um the amount of pushback it gets from everyone who is exposed to it uh but they they only have so much power and ultimately what does what will be the decider in this situation is whether the working class can organise against it effectively. Yeah, this this, this whole gas thing has has been, uh, you know, like it, it, it's a nightmare in the making. Mm. And so, y- y- even if y- if you put it down to you know, like how, how does it affect workers? Um, y- 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 it it it. it, 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 it how does it affect workers? Well, it affects workers because we've got these uh, multinational companies that are selling our gas overseas cheaper than what we can even buy it. So, you know, as workers, we're not even getting a benefit from all the, 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 this terrible industry that, we get, that, we, that we're creating. Yeah, you know? they talk about the importance of fossil fuels to the economy, but we don't actually get that any of that affects all it really impacts is the bank accounts of um fossil fuel corporations um but ultimately even if we did benefit from it that's all irrelevant because we need to get away from fossil fuels before we all die we sure do um plus the we sh- they shouldn't be operating on first nations land um destroying sacred sites and song lines and potentially poisoning water supplies it's uh, for something that ultimately we don't need and is destroying the planet in a greater fashion than that anyway. 
But there, there has been um, some kickback against this industry, and um, and also with some success. So, Tiwi Legal Challenge halts drilling at a multi-billion-dollar gas field. Once again, this is uh, from NITV. Yes, by Michael Park. So, Tiwi Island traditional owners challenging a major offshore gas project have had a significant have had a significant court victory, with gas company Santos agreeing to halt drilling operations at the $5 billion Barossa gas project. Lawyers for Manupi clan leader Dennis Tipikalipa have spent the past week arguing that traditional owners were not properly consulted over the project. They're suing the National Gas Regulator, which approved the venture, for failing to recognize Tiwi Islander traditional owners as as interested parties, thus necessitating their involvement. It's believed to be the first case of its kind in Australia. Landmark on-country hearings were held on the Tiwi Islands and in Darwin, as traditional owners challenged the federal approval allowing gas company Santos to drill up to eight gas wells in the Barossa field, 265 km- kilometres northwest of Darwin. After a week of argument, Santos agreed to halt drilling, including any that may hit gas reserves in the Barossa field, until the federal court has really reached a decision. The agreement was welcomed by Mr. Tipikalipa. This week we have had our voices heard. We'll be fighting to protect our sea country from the beginning to the end. Mr. Tipikalipa was concerned about the gas, was concerned the gas project as well as a proposed pipeline from the Barossa field to Darwin that would pass near the Tiwi Islands could harm sacred sites, pristine beaches, reefs, and olive ridley turtle nesting sites. Drilling into the seabed is like drilling into our bodies. I'm relieved that Santos will stop drilling, drop drilling. That is a big worry for us, so it's very important to get that promise, he said. Santos has been drilling since July and has always argued it consulted widely with relevant stakeholders for many years before commencing the project. Lawyers for the company told federal court Judge Monokai Bromberg that the company was not required under federal regulations to consult with traditional owners individually, but rather collectively through their representative body, the Tiwi Land Council, which it did. But Justice Bromberg questioned Santos's environmental plans for the project, saying it lacked a clear methodology explaining who was considered a relevant person. Justice Bromberg said this could make it difficult for the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority to determine whether all relevant parties had been consulted. The halt on drilling will remain in place for the next three weeks until the federal court reconvenes in Darwin to either hear further arguments relating to an injunction or to restrain further drilling or deliver a decision. Uh, You know, a pause... Yeah, so it's it's not a final win yet, but it is a um, a hopeful step uh, towards getting this uh, harmful project shut down. Um, and it's uh, more than I would expect, so I'm happy about this. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect the Australian government to step back at all when it comes to First Nations rights over um, the rights of fossil fuel companies to make a profit but it goes to show the strength that has been built in organizations to fight back against this yeah good on them they, they yeah i think that's the main thing that they, they they're starting to get a little bit of power um whether that be through the courts you know wherever they can um you know uh, put that power to use uh, it's good. We stand in solidarity with that. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to move on to some um, workers' action. Um, now, this one, this one, I, I like how it's going mainstream. 
um, you know, it's it's into well, the mainstream. It's it's a, it's it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right. Well, so it should. So this one comes from, we, we, you know, Brisbane Times are actually reporting on this, and it's a government tradies to strike for pay increase. So government carpenters, electricians, building engineers and plumbers will strike from September 1 to press pay claims as annual inflation of a 7.3% bites into wages. Workers will work off the job from midnight August 31st and rally outside the government's 1 William Street headquarters in Brisbane from 9am the following day. The decision was taken at union meetings on Friday morning involving members of the ETU, the Plumbers Union, the AWU and the Australian Builders Construction Union, representing Q-Build and Transport and Main Road construction teams. These workers are expected to be joined by CFMEU unionists who have already begun pressing the Queensland Government to increase their wage increase of 4%. 4% and 3% offered to most public servants over three years. There could be several thousand at the rally by 9am easily, one worker said. The duration of the protected strike is unclear. Construction workers argue they are paid less than teachers and police and want to increase their base salary rate so that a percentage increase has a marked improvement for lower paid public servants. They say their base salary is around $39 per hour, while similar staff in the private sector receive $45 per hour. They point out construction staff at Queen's Wharf allegedly receive $80 an hour. Construction staff say they are also wary of delaying tactics from the government's industrial relations teams. They say it took 36 weeks to negotiate the existing three-year enterprise bargaining agreement, but a decision was eventually made quickly within a month. This week, several hundred CFMEU workers entered a transport and main roads building on Tuesday morning where a roads investment forum was being held. The 200 CFMEU staff were went that's an incorrection it wasn't staff the tfmeu the the 200 cfmeu uh, members went inside the transport and main roads building on on mary street about 9 a.m and entered a conference room police were called to the office building and the cfmeu members left peacefully police said so yeah the um construction workers are standing up and fighting back yeah 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 tradies in general, it seems with plumbers, electricians, etc. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see they're all like getting together and saying, "Hey, we're not being paid enough. Pay us more, Queensland government." Um, and they're going on strike on the on tomorrow. Um, and yeah, t- tomorrow night they go out. Yes, tomorrow night, and then the next day, Thursday, they will be at the William Street headquarters from nine a.m. If you want to go, join in and support the uh, our tradies who where, are. Where, where do we go? Do uh, we go to UQ or do we go to to because because uh, the, the both actions are on at the same time? We might. You know, <laughs> oh no! The <laughs> well, these workers, workers are going to you know they're going to strike. We, we've got to support them. Uh, so we'll have to... Maybe we could do both. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes, we'll have to split up and go, go t- take both actions at once. Right. Um, but no, no, no. We'll we'll we'll, we'll try and um, you know find out what's what's happening over there. Oh, you know, I was I was hoping to go to the uni one, but um, yeah. Um, we, we, but regardless, uh, um, if you can't get out there or you can only go to one, we, we will try and give you updates on both uh, in coming weeks on, on uh, Workers' Power. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure the outcomes of these will both be very interesting. Right on. And now also there's an update uh, from, from the New South Wales and, and Midwife uh, strike and, and there's a groundswell of anger. Uh, yes, so in a sign of widespread frustration, nurses and midwives will participate in a 24-hour statewide strike this Thursday over their demands for safe staffing to be guaranteed in all New South Wales public holidays, hospitals and health services. Um, a majority vote of New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's public sector members confirmed 94% in favour of the strike action, which will commence at 7am on the 1st of September. Another one, <laughs> and finish the following morning. Um, New South Wales NMA General Secretary Shay Candish said nurses and midwives could no longer put up with the dangerous staffing levels and unsustainable workloads. Our members are angry and they're fed up with being ignored. We indicated to the New South Wales government earlier this year that we needed an open and meaningful dialogue with them about safe staffing, said Ms Candish. We still don't have mandated nurse-to-patient ratios in our public hospitals or health facilities, and this is putting patients at risk. The New South Wales government is ignoring what's desperately needed to ensure patients are getting the best possible care in their local hospitals. Our members are frustrated more than anything else because their concerns for patient safety have not been heard and their professional perspectives and pleas for short and longer term safe staffing solutions are not being acknowledged. Nurses and midwives are in a constant state of worry about their patients and about what they can do for their patients because they can't be everywhere at once. This is not sustainable. Clinical health professionals should not be in a situation which means that every shift they go to work, they have to decide which patient gets care, which patient waits, and which patient misses out. NSWNMA Assistant General Secretary Michael Waits said both metropolitan and regional nurses and midwives were seriously overworked and the moral injury being reported was palpable, given the rising anger towards a system that's preventing proper patient care. This widespread staffing crisis in our health system won't simply go away as COVID-19 case numbers slowly start to decline, added Mr. Waits. What our members are asking for is not unreasonable. They are simply asking for staffing ratios, a safe workplace and fair pay. There is growing evidence nurse-to-patient ratios do save lives and result in better patient outcomes, and legislative ratios have already saved the Queensland government millions of dollars. We are behind in New South Wales and more nurses and midwives are walking away because of what they've had to put up with shift after shift. We are supporting our members in taking this action to demand the New South Wales government listen to our calls for safe staffing ratios. If the New South Wales government will take action, nurses and midwives will. Over the next week, NSWNMA public sector branches will confirm details of public rallies to be held locally alongside community supporters. During the 24-hour strike, life-preserving services will be maintained in all public hospitals and health services. The NSWNMA also reiterated its ongoing willingness to meet with the New South Wales government to discuss members' ongoing concerns. Yeah, more than thanks. 
Yeah. Oh, that was the teachers. No, both of them, I think, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's uh, sort of more of a public sector frontline yeah, work. More than, yeah, campaign. more than thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah th- this is something we've reported on before. It's obvious. Um, it, the go- it's uh, inhumane that the New South Wales government is refusing to budge on this, and it is uh, great to see the nurses taking even continuing the campaign and not giving up because what they're fighting for is so important and it's very interesting to see that they're also going on strike this thursday it's a big day for strikes yeah that's it apparently yeah but well oh geez i might i might have to go out in solidarity you know like (laughs) go out on strike well yeah hey i'm working on um, yeah no (laughs) Uh, but uh one other thing that i wanted to add um just just in final on on this and and that is it's not just uh workers power that 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 are are all over this story it's four triple z as a whole Mm. right so so i've heard it being discussed in 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 other areas and also there's an interview today on brisbane lines with um with 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 a a a spokesperson from the nsw nma up in lismore so so um yeah um right so if you want to hear more about this stay tuned for brisbane lines coming up that's right you'll get the professional version (laughs) of an interview uh, with workers Okay, and uh, now we're going to uh, move on to um, international workers action. Now, now this one, uh, the, the 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 main reason I picked it up is because of the 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 the, the cross border connection. So there's a uh, there's toilet paper manufacturers in New Zealand are locked out. Yes. Uh, so Australian-based head offices have been swept up in two industrial disputes in New Zealand, one of which could lead to a toilet paper shortage. Health and hygiene giant Essity and Australian packaging and recycling business Vizzy have been unable to agree terms for new deals with Kiwi workers. About 145 million workers in Kawarau have been locked out and stood down indefinitely by owners Essity. Uh, the um, the mill supplies a majority of New Zealand's toilet paper and pulp and paper union Kawarau Secretary Tayden Phillips said the impasse could see Kiwis run short. We're the only place that actually makes it from scratch in New Zealand, Mr Phillips said. The mill is, an ama- is a major employer in Kawarau, an inland bay of Plenty Town, and produces roughly 70% of New Zealand's toilet paper. Supermarkets are monitoring the situation with Woolworths owned Countdown working with SD to manage supply. Spokesman said at this stage they were not concerned about running dry, although some supermarkets have brought back caps on toilet roll purchases. While strikes are not uncommon in New Zealand, lockouts are rare. Mr. Phillips said he was seriously concerned for his workforce without pay for three weeks after SD's action. Workers are seeking wage increases that match inflation, and SED has offered 3% increases over the next three years and a sign-on bonus. They've never come off 3%, Mr. Phillips said of negotiations, and if we accept that, we're going backwards. One of the most frustrating bits about this negotiation is the biz big managers are in Australia. The local managers have no say. It's all being driven from Australia. General Manager Peter Hockley said SD's offer was more than fair and reasonable after the lockout came and the lockout came after fruitless talks and strikes. SD has also put off a $15 million upgrade. 
the d- dispute worsened this week when SD moved to block workers from making financial hardship withdrawals from their superannuation accounts. In Auckland, New Zealand o- workers are striking at two Vizzy-owned manufacturing plants for the first time in 25 years. Workers are seeking a one-off 10% increase and streamlined overtime arrangement as their current deal incentivizing long hours before overtime provisions kick in. We have kids and we don't see them, only in the mornings before they leave for school or at weekends, said Union Delegate Riaz Ali, who said he worked six-day weeks with 12-hour shifts. We feel we don't have a choice, and it's killing our health as well. Etu trade union leader Jenna Tolley said the strikes came after Vizzy's offer produced an average increase that would be a wage cut in real terms. Um, which is something we're seeing people saying a lot recently, uh, talking about wage cuts in real terms, um, and there's been a lot of industrial action around that, um, including in New Zealand, uh, where we've got both a strike going on, but also a lockout, um, so which is apparently going to cause problems, according to the union uh there that's the boss causing that not yeah. the workers yeah that, you know? that, that's that's the boss that's a lockout is is, is the boss's tactics all right uh, well keep an eye on your shelves oh <laughs> 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 right, uh, uh, nelly should have put out some disgruntled pa- taxpayers in their track where's my toilet roll <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but uh, an, another part of this story is uh, something we also see a lot is the serious overwork, six day weeks with 12 hour shifts. That is a ridiculous amount of work that no one should be doing. Um, and the, they they really just don't have a choice in this situation. Yeah, no, bugger yeah. twelve hour days. Right on. Okay. Well, we're the end of the show. We, we there's been a couple that 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 of uh, things that we want to highlight, but we don't have time to fully go into. But um, can you give us a, a, a and maybe we'll we'll talk more about it next week. But um, I, I see one story here, Jackson. There's widespread protests demand higher wages in Argentina. Yeah, so on the August of 18th, oh sorry, on the 18th of August, um, thousands of people in Argentina uh, went, took to the streets to protest the rising living costs and demand the government take action to improve material conditions. Um, in the capital alone of Buenos Aires, more than 500,000 protesters went on a march to the National Congress. Um, so the Argentina is basically being ripped apart by the international monetary yeah, fund. Yeah, austerity measures. Um, and has been, well, yeah, yeah, it's been weakened uh, and undermined by the IMF, which has then allowed these giant corporations to basically go in and rip the country apart and sell off everything for profit. Um, which is leaving all the workers there just um, destitute, basically. Uh, It just gets worse and worse and worse once the IMF gets into your country. Um, So they're fighting back with a massive uh, protest action all across the country um, because they have no other choice. Good on them. All right, we'll keep we'll, we'll keep an eye on that because one of the things that they go for is universal uh, income. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that was one of their demands, which is yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah that's so not really implemented 
anywhere in a large scale from my understanding so, so if they do manage to win that that would be really impressive very much so all right well we we better uh, move on and let you know who our scallywag of the week now one of the stories that we wanted to go a little bit more more in deep but but why not? We'll make them the scallywag of the week story, and um, the uh, A fuel, the uh, the Australian Federated of United Locomotive Engineers. Um, they're they're taking employees. Employees. No, no, it's engineers, locomotive engineers. Okay. Yeah, they're the train drivers. Um, and, and so they're, they're going out on strike and, and they're fighting for improvements in rosters, um, recognition for members uh, working at Tucker Box barracks workings, an EA that doesn't uh, contradict itself and a fair wage increase. But the company has offered a cut to conditions and the lowest wage increase the Queensland sector has seen in recent years. And uh, so the uh, managing director of Pacific Nat- National is Paul Scurra. And, uh, Paul, we, we, we're here on uh, Workers' Power. I reckon you're a bit of a scallywag. So, and so much so that you've won the award for it this week. You are our scallywag of the week. Um, get, get in there um, and uh, negotiate a good deal with those workers that make you uh, money. What a grub. What a grub. Scurra. Now, I could just imagine, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Calypso could do something with that. Uh but, uh, you know, I'm sure she's yelling at the radio right now. <laughs> right on. Well, that, that's it for the show. We, 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 we better go now because there's a special announcement coming up very, very soon. And, and, and we, we don't want to chew into too much of the professional journalism that is Brisbane Lines. So stick around. They're coming up after this track. Here and oh, the first is special announcement and, um, and, then, and then a track. And we will see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, comrades. Announcement for the information of party members. Due to the successes of Operation and accompanying public actions, the artistic collective known as Worker and Parasite has been authorised to produce and disseminate an extended play musical release. The release, titled Politics, a case study of the nexus between populism, apathy and exploitation, is a collection of five ideological lessons chosen for their didactic richness and dialectical value. Each lesson delineates the genesis of one or more failures of political systems under capital. It is required that all party members consume and circulate the materials contained in the Politics EP, as per the orders of Minister of the 8th Central Committee. As capitalism accelerates towards its nadir, the party urges resilience and continued resistance. Addressing the crises of our age will require persistent struggle and taking party directors to their logical conclusions. The hour is late, and failure to adhere to these instructions will attract special attention from the Department of Compliance. In Solidarity and Perpetuity
Alliterated later Only 1840 from your 